Pick Up The Pace is a rugby union podcast hosted by All Black super fan and Anadu Ryle, two passionate rugby fanatics from Wainui Omata, New Zealand, who go deep into everything rugby without taking themselves too seriously. Hey, what's up, team? Welcome back to Pick Up The Pace podcast with All Black super fan and my man all the way over in Fiji. Anadu Ryle, it's good to be here. I'm live from Lotoka, sunny Lotoka, with a high of 31 degrees today. 31. Thinking of you guys over in New Zealand. Showing off, drinking your pina coladas and that. Tui Golds, pina coladas, you name it. Tui Golds? You, you mean... What are you drink? I'm at the bar. You mean Fiji Gold? Sorry, Fiji Golds, yeah. yeah. Look, I'm still halfway... My mind's still halfway back home, isn't it? You're halfway through happy hour, aren't you? So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hey, we just want to send our appreciation out to everybody that comes on, listen to our podcast, pick up the pace. This is our number six episode. We really appreciate everything, and uh, we thank you for that. Yeah, dedication here from our end. We want to make sure that we're consistent. We're doing weekly podcasts, so despite being in different countries right now, we're still pushing forward, aren't we, mate? We are, we are. We're pushing forward, you know, as hard as the All Blacks didn't come home with what we want. Uh, it, it is what it is, eh? But hey, let's just get straight into it. England versus South Africa, what a massive final. Um, what can we say? Huge game, huge. huge. 32 points to 12. It blew out in the last half an hour or so. South Africa were just too good. It, but it was like, like what MP you said last. Colby. Yeah, it was like what yeah. you said last week, though, uh, between Wales and um, South Africa. Maybe it wasn't going to turn into a bit mm. of a kick fest, but it did sort of turn into a kick fest. But you could see that teams were trying to break the line and try to score tries. But it wasn't until the I think the sixty seventh minute when um, a Pimpy um, went through and, and, and scored the try just to really kick things off. But um, if we go back to the start of the game, there were some serious collisions, weren't there? Mm. And and just going back to that podcast episode from last week I was talking about how England had the X-Factor out in the backs and in the end South Africa with Tristan Mapimpi and Colby sealed the deal oh sealed the deal but Kyle Sinclair Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Sinclair I wonder how his, his head's feeling after that one you know no, no one wants to see sickening collisions eh? I think he I think he um, hit Mapimpi's hip or something as he went down um, but man he was out cold wasn't he he was he was Gonski's like he was he was yeah a, he was seeing stars, um, and no one wants to see that because that's quite a. That was like I say, that was a very sickening blow. Um, two minutes in, his, his final was over. You, you could just tell um, the play was going on, and the ref blew it up, and he was still on the ground, and there was no way he was coming back from that. But um, replaced immediately by um, uh, what's his uh, Dan Cole. Dan Cole. Dan Cole yeah. from England. Yeah, and, and 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 the scrum seemed to have been disrupted when Sinclair came off. Did but, you did you notice that? Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if that was because of Dan Cole or whether um, South Africa got up because the scrums were dominated by South Africa for the whole game. And not mm. once have we ever seen during the tournament um, have England got um, a weakness in their forward pack. If anything, they, they were the strongest forward mm. pack in the whole tournament. So um, I don't know if Sinclair would have helped that if he stayed on. Uh, I, I don't believe they would have. South Africa were getting up. They were smashing them in the scrum. Yeah. There's a few times though where yeah, I thought there's a few times they uh, you probably thought the same where um, uh, they were a bit hard done by England, but who knows? We talk about the scrum mm. all the time with penalties, so you know who's turning in and mm. who's popping up is yeah, I don't know. You, you, you got to be there, don't you? You got to be the referee, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. So England, after that match, have now lost three finals: 1991 to Aussie, True. 2007 to South Africa, and again now uh, to South Africa. So. 
Yeah, South Africa haven't been a very happy team for England to play against the Rugby World Cups. Yeah, and that's what uh, Eddie Jones said. They're going to have uh, they're going to be kicking stones for the next four years, and um, four, mm. four years is a long time. And you know, so that South Africa two finals to zero. Um, we talked about it last week. Six, Sixteen painful years for England. Uh, well, you know, that's slowly going to be turned into twenty painful years in twenty twenty three, isn't it? Yeah, and let, let, let's dive more into that. Uh, let's talk about the, the silver medals, silver medalists in general. Yeah. Uh, we saw Kyle Sinclair and Mario Itoji refuse their silver medals uh, when they were being uh, handed to them But match yeah, No, hang on, hang on. I don't think they refuse the medals. Um, you know, they just finished the, an 80-minute an yeah. game uh, or 82-minute 80, game. And, you know, Kyle Sinclair probably thought he didn't deserve the medal because he hadn't played, he only played two minutes. And, Mario Toji was um, obviously devastated. You know, even some of his reports that were coming in in the newspapers saying that, you know, he, he's hurting like it, as everyone would when they lose big games. But he was really so, something. I think he mentioned or quoted, you know, it's, it's the worst that he's hurt in, in his entire life. Well, at that moment, it probably would be. But once he reflects on it, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it was arrogance. That I just think that they were uh, knee-jerk reaction, mate. Yeah, yeah. In uh, my opinion, uh, with this, is that you go all the way to a rugby world camp. World Cup final undefeated have to remind our listeners about that England had gone undefeated in the whole tournament yeah. you get to the final dance you lose I can completely understand that they uh, decided to refuse to wear their silver medalist post-match I'm yeah. sure there's been a whole bunch of Kiwi teams out there whether it be silver ferns I think it was uh, Jenny May Coffin earlier this week uh, the TVNZ news presenter was saying when she had lost a World Cup final for the silver ferns a few years ago she had the sort of same mindset. All the blood, sweat and tears they put into it. Uh, post-match, it's still a bit raw for some of these players. Yeah, but I suppose, you know, you're on the world stage. Perception is everything. You're going live to, you know, hundreds of millions of people. You've got kids watching. I mean, I picked up on it straight away. I mean, I think if they had their time all over again, they probably would have bowed down and, and put their medals around their neck. Um, especially being on the podium. Maybe when they come off the podium and they're on the grass, then they can take them off. But definitely wasn't a good look. But, you know, I'm sure they'll learn from it. And I don't think there's anything in the heart that really meant anything by it, to be, um, to be honest. The other key point about this is that these two players are very young. Uh, so you, you, you tend to see this sometimes with brand new players who make it to big matches like Rugby World Cup finals or World Championship finals in general. Uh, the most experienced players uh, tend to be better losers as such uh, as time goes on. Uh, so these young ones will, will, will learn from this experience and hopefully they'll move on and they'll, well, they'll probably end up being better losers as time moves on. But Let's move along and get straight into South Africa, the winners of the Rugby World Cup. And you know what? I just well feel done. a little bit of... Fair enough, bro. Come on. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. Well, you know, <laughs> what can we say? All they do is win. We were, in the, we, we were honoured to be in the presence of a diehard Springbok supporter we were. watching the game on uh, Sunday night, Saturday night, sorry. And who, hang on, hang on, yeah, we were 100%, and a, a diehard is an understatement Springbok mm. supporter. <laughs> uh, but let's cut to the chase. Who, who did you want to win, Anadu, on Saturday night? Who were you backing? I don't care. I don't care who oh, won. Come on. Uh, the, 
the All Blacks didn't make it into the final, didn't care. I just I was winding up my mate, South African mate, uh, saying that I wanted England to win. Uh, knew deep down it was going to be a tough, tough slog for England to get up. Uh, deep down, I was glad that South Africa won. Our Southern Hemisphere uh, neighbours, so to speak, uh, they now equal the number of World Cups that the All Blacks have won. So, welcome to the club. But they play two less uh, um, tournaments, though, haven't they? As well, they didn't play oh, in eighty. They didn't oh, play in eighty-seven. God, they didn't play in eighty-seven, <laughs> and they didn't play in ninety-one. So, really, you could say they're ahead of the All Blacks. So they, they've, they've had two less opportunities to win it. This is what I was saying to my mate the other night. I said, oh, next minute the South Africans are going to start, start saying that. Oh, hang on a minute. We were at me in the first two World Cups and we've actually got a better record. <laughs> yeah, we can, we, can, we can pull records out of our asses whenever we want. That's right. But at the end of the day, it comes down to who wins the World Cup every four years. And that's it. And history's history and, and it's all in the books now. So we'll but, move on. But so South- looking forward to the South Africa All Blacks final in four years' time. But South Africa did to England what England did to the All Blacks. And um, yeah. and the All Blacks did it to Ireland, so it's an it's an anomaly. Like I can't, you know, we've been trying to hear coaches Crazy. all week talk about why a team can't get up the following week, and we're like, mm. like we were mm. adamant England were probably going to edge them out, you know, the way that they look. Mm. But they did a demolition. The South Africans, the Springboks, did a demolition job on the uh, on, mm. on on the English side. Like it was just truly remarkable. Like no one saw it coming. Uh, we knew it. We knew yeah. you, you and I. We talked about it offline. We knew that South Africa mm. had it in them to really come out and play. Yeah. Uh, we talked about um, Cheslin Colby uh, coming back. Um, we talked about Pollard his kicking. Uh, I think he must miss mm. one kick in the game. We talked about Pollard running hard on the line, didn't we? Um, and and mm. all those things come to fruition. And he did it. Yeah. But, but their yeah. forwards were amazing. Their forwards were absolutely outstanding. They laid a solid platform at set piece time. Uh, they, they had a lot of go forward throughout the match. They um, were mauling it quite a bit. The scrum was solid, like I said. And they fed it out to the back. Simple as that, really. Yeah. And sure. my Pimpy and Colby were on fire. On fire. I mean, I mean, I think it was, uh, maybe after the 20th minute or, or 25th minute, Luke de Jager um, dislocated oh. his shoulder. Um, so, you know, mm. people, people were going down all over the show. You know, Kyle Sinclair, next minute, um, Luke went down. Jeez, um, they, were, they were dropping, weren't they? Mm. So we've got to also go back to uh, South Africa here, right? Rugby World Cup 2019. They are the very first team to have won a World Cup uh, and, and losing a match uh, during pool play. No other team has won a World Cup, uh, well, was, was losing a single match. So every other team who's won one has been undefeated. South yeah. Africa break the mould and they win a World Cup and break another record. Amazing, like truly, truly amazing, and you know, you, you heard it afterwards. And you know, South Africa, we had John Urgart, the uh, Springbok liaison officer, on our last podcast, episode five, and he was saying about you know South Africa having a really tough time, um, going through a lot of um, adversity within their country, and um, and we asked John, hey, what will this mean for the country and as a people, uh, not not just rugby, the sport? And he said, you know, it'll just unite them and, and bring them together, and that's what we've been seeing on the news, and you know, for South Africa and and. For the bottom of our heart we hope that it does um unite them a little bit stronger and a little bit tighter and it gives them some like um razia rasmus said it gives them some hope you know um that they can hold on to and cherish and, yeah. and and so this is a you know great result everyone wants to win but um at the end of the day the right the right team won and they won yeah. well and before we talk about uh Sia Khaleesi, who is an absolute legend we do have to touch on the fact that Russi Erasmus 
decided to tell the media and his players that he would no longer be the coach after this Rugby World Cup final, only days before the final. This was after our, our yeah. previous episode was aired. Yeah, in between, so, wasn't uh, it? Was it, like, it was probably on yeah, the, yeah. A, a day or two later he announced day, it. Yeah. So, um, so that would have void uh, the Springbok team. Uh, they would have been out there doing it for their country, doing it for their coach, and doing it for their captain. Yep. And if there was any motivation in, um, in winning that World Cup, then that's it right there. Very true. Um, yeah, nah, outstanding performance by South Africa. And like you said, there was the extra motivation from um, from Razi from doing that. Um, so, mm. no, that's awesome. But, you know, and then the day after um, the huge um, test match, the final, uh, there was a Real Rugby Award, so we knew what was going to happen, didn't we? You know, Real Rugby yeah. Coach of the Year, yeah, yeah. Razia Rasmus, you know. And, you know, all the coaches in the pre-match and the post-conference, they all talk about pressure and who can handle the pressure in, in those tight yeah. moments, you know. Um, and and he, yeah. here's what Razi had to say. But overall, we started talking about what is pressure. And in South Africa, pressure is, is not having a job. Pressure is... is, is uh, one of your close relatives being murdered. Uh, in South Africa, there's a lot of problems, which is pressure. And we started talking about things like that. Uh, and rugby shouldn't be something that, that, that creates pressure on you. Rugby should be something that creates hope. That's awesome, eh? Awesome words, you know? And he's right. Like, the pressure shouldn't be about rugby. Rugby should be about the enjoyment. And the real pressure is not having a job or having a family member murdered, yeah. especially from um, yeah. the tough times that South Africa's going through now. And then... Obviously, uh, World Rugby Team of the Year was well, South Africa as well, and CEO Kalesi went out to accept the award, and also um, yep. his post-match interview has gone worldwide, and what a, such a humbling mm. speech that he did, and let's take a listen mm. to that as well. I'm grateful for everything that uh, the team has, has been through. You know, we face a lot of challenges, um, but, you know, the people of South Africa have gotten behind us, and we are so grateful for the people of South Africa. And, you know, we have so many problems in our country, um, but to have a, a team like this, we know we come from different backgrounds, different races, and we came together with one goal, and we wanted to achieve it. I really hope that we've done that for South Africa, to show that we, we can pull together if we want to work and we achieve something. I have never seen, since I've been alive, I've never seen South Africa like this. You know, obviously, in 95, what uh, the World Cup did for us, you know, and now, you know, with all the challenges we're having, you know, the coach just came in and told us the last game, we're not playing for ourselves anymore, we're playing for our people back home, you know. And that's what we wanted to do today. And we really appreciate all the support, people in the taverns, people in the shipbins, you know, people in farms, some homeless people that were swings there, and people in rural areas. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the support. We love you, South Africa. And we can achieve anything if we work together as one. Absolutely inspirational words. Congratulations, Skip. Thank you so much. And lastly, thank you so much to the people of Japan, the people that came from England as well. Thank you so much for supporting the sport of rugby. Thank you to World Rugby for bringing rugby here. We appreciate you all. Arigato gozaimasu. Thank you. How awesome is that? I really want to play that interview, eh? I mean, that's just a, such a humbling yeah. speech. They've just won a massive title and, and to come out and, and, and not really go on and gloat about how they've won and to come out with uh, such speeches that touches the nation. We need to dive deeper into this, bro. So, uh, 1995, when South Africa won the Rugby World Cup yeah. in their home country with Francois Pina as the captain wearing the exact same number jersey as Sia Khaleesi uh, wore the other night. Wow. Uh, Nelson Mandela was the president back in 1995, only just a couple of years 
after being released from prison post-apartheid. Yeah. Uh, apartheid still sort of haunts this country, you know? Like, you, apartheid goes, but it doesn't go forever. There's still a whole bunch of challenges that South Africa are facing right now. Uh, like Sia Khaleesi says, there's issues of homelessness, there's issues with um, farm owners uh, losing their land. There's a whole bunch of issues here. Now, rugby is a huge sport in South Africa, just like it is in New Zealand. Yep. Uh, when a team comes together like South Africa does, and we have to acknowledge the uh, improvement in terms of uh, picking uh, a, a, a huge number of coloured players in the South African rugby side in recent years, and we, we must talk about players like Cheslin Colby, we must talk about players like Sio Kalisi, we must talk about players like mm. Mapimpi. These are coloured players who are making their mark on, on the world stage in rugby circles. And th- again, this just proves that sport and politics, we talk about this a lot, um, they should not mix. There's people who say that they should not mix, but in countries where there are a whole bunch of challenges, results like this bring a country together. Yeah, and it's a step in the right direction, isn't it? And Co Kalisi being mm. the first coloured captain and to come home with the, um, the, the world champions, the Webb Alice Trophy, is a phenomenal effort and I think I read an article where he was uh, to go up and receive the Webb Alice Trophy and he asked Ruzzy and he, and he oh, oh, this is what I read in an article he, he asked Ruzzy come on let's let's go let's, let, let's do it together let's let's go and um, um, get, get the Webb Alice Trophy and, and, and Ruzzy was like no no this is your time bro this is your time Sia and he let Sia go and, yeah. and, and grab that so we, we've talked about uh, we like Ruzzy don't we, we, we we've talked about him yeah. how, how he's a no. great humbling gracious good man you can just see it um, um, mm. when he talks in the press conferences and the news articles and well there's nothing arrogant about him at all he's a great, no. great coach and he's going to go down as one of the greatest in South Africa yeah and as far as I know his time with South African rugby isn't over so he initially signed a deal to be the director of rugby for South African rugby yeah um, which is essentially managing uh, the side um, as a sort of uh, mentor figure to the coach so as far as I know he will remain in that role yep. so whoever the new Springbok coach is uh, will still have Russ Erasmus by his side so that's, that's just fantastic for them and the culture that he has built with that side over a very short period of time after Alistair Kutsia resigned only a couple of years ago yeah for sure I mean I was only a couple of years ago and they got a 57-0 thumping in Albany by the All Blacks and to, wow. to, to, yeah. yeah you know to turn it around losing two games last year to Australia and Argentina and Razi saying himself that you know if he didn't win that mm. game in um, Wellington last year that he would have stepped down for mm. the job so if he, he, if he didn't win that he wouldn't yeah. be here right now and, and who knows but hey shoulda coulda woulda he did it he's here he's yeah. a world champion coach and South Africa a world champion team and they've cleaned up the rugby awards and um, 15's player of the year Peter Steph de Toy, mm. amazing. Mm. Talk out the rugby uh, yeah. 15s player of the year. So they've really cleaned up in all aspects in this tournament and good on them and rightly so. Yeah, man, what else can we say? Like They killed it. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they, they smashed it. It's just, it's just been an amazing World Cup, hasn't it? There's been a whole bunch of sides who, on their day, look like they could take it out. Uh, but in the end, South Africa were the ones who, who stepped up right on the final hurdle. And England, unfortunately... Uh, yeah, we're, we're the only ones in their way. And again, sometimes it just takes a bounce of the ball. It takes a bit of motivation and uh, you get up in those all-important matches. So but well we, done to South Africa. We've seen, though, we mm. talked about how, um, you know, and no one's talked about this, and this is a great thing. Um, jog your memory back. Hey, this World Cup's going to mm. be fine by a yellow card, a red card, a, re- a referee yeah. s- decision. But let's think about it. The quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the mm. finals, there was no yellow cards. There wasn't... 
I, well, I don't think there was. No red cards. There was no ref's decision that swayed the game. The games were won convincingly by um, the teams, weren't they? I mean, yeah, bit of a kick fest between Wales and South Africa. But the team that won looked like they were going to win, and they did win. So oh, that's yeah, one good thing I'll take well, away from this. Have you spoken to the Englishman, though? Because some of, some of the English fans were uh, were booing poor old Jerome Garcia when he received his uh, uh, medal post-match. He kissed the medal. He loved it, didn't he? Him and the refs having a good old party up on stage. Yeah, but he but he's he this is um he's just he's just ref a World Cup final, um yeah, and he, right. he's proud of what he's doing. And, he, and he's kissed the medal. What? Is, and they, what? So shouldn't they? If they're, if they're booing them and they're not booing um, Kyle and um, Mario Toji for not wearing these, or, yeah. or maybe they've had too much to drink. I don't know. But um, yeah, I didn't see. Right. I didn't see anything wrong with that personally. I just thought that he's a yeah. proud. He's a proud man who, who was on the a big stage and uh, and yeah, he, he was just um, you know happy of his, his <laughs> achievements and his ARs and TMOs and all that. So good on him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's um, South Africa. For, for yep, yeah, they've won it. It's in the bag for four years, so they can claim to be world champions. They can for four bask, years as, as I as I always say, yeah. you know, you can bask in the glory now that you're world champions. But let's just get the All Blacks back yeah. on the number one table, way slowly, inch by inch. Let's work our way back. We may not have the title, yeah, that's right. but let's get that number one spot. Yeah, but remember, bro, this is their time right now. You know, you've got to make sure that we acknowledge them. So South oh, Africa, for sure, for well sure. done. Yeah, well, well done. done. Yeah. And we'll move on, and we'll, the All Blacks will regroup, and they'll come back hard. But four years' time, I'm hoping to see an All Black South African Listen, final. A, a, a strong, we've talked about this many times, a strong South African side is good for New Zealand. A strong All Black side is good for hmm. South Africa. Uh, not, too hmm. sh- not too sure where the Wallabies are at the moment. They're somewhere in the middle, but hey, they're up for a new coach, and these rumours around, of, um, it's probably for another show, Dave Rennie or someone. But hey, I, I hope. We, we don't want a weak Australian side. We want a strong, vibrant Australian side, and we want them to organise. And we want a strong championship, um, a rugby championship. So, you know, and, and the reason why we want that, Aradu, is because there have been nine Rugby World Cups, eight in the Southern Hemisphere, and one in the Northern Hemisphere. So, yeah. has the gap closed? Maybe for England, but I really didn't see much from Scotland. And to be honest, with all respect, Ireland or Wales. So, yeah, and uh, we said that we said that right at the top, top of the tournament, didn't we? Ireland and Wales had already peaked, and they, they were coming into the tournament looking pretty flat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And look, Eddie Jones had um, mm. he said he spent two and a half years playing for the semi final um, against yep. the All Blacks, and but he didn't prepare for South Africa though. Well, it seems not. Yeah. Um, hey, you touched on the uh, you touched on the World Rugby Awards, and I thought just special mention to our New Zealand listeners on the um, winners. For the, the key sections, uh, World Rugby Sevens Player of the Year went to New Zealand's Ruby Tui. Yeah, wow. And She's amazing. Yeah, and, and absolutely amazing. You, everyone, you've got to watch it. You've got to watch the, the Sevens. Um, Ruby Tui, keep an eye out there. International Rugby Players Try of the Year. Everyone will remember this try. <laughs> TJ Perinara down the sideline. Weber and Perinara on the team at the same time. I don't know if that'll ever happen again. Two halfbacks. He was playing first five. He scored in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, but he actually started that try. Remember, he flicked it up. Who did he flick it up to? Um, did he flick it up to Rico? Rico Yorani? Um Well, anyway, he flicked it up, and then he was on the ground, like he was falling as he flicked it up. But he ended up getting back on his feet because there was continuity to that try all the way down. The, and he ended up mm. getting down there, and then he got the uh, Brad Weber behind the back with his uh, right hand to TJ pet another, and then uh, straight into the corner. So yeah, try of the year. Fantastic try. Yeah. 
If you haven't seen it, go YouTube, type in TJ Piranara versus Namibia, and you'll find it. But there's all these things coming out as well. Like, oh, it was, it, it was only Namibia. It was, you know, like anyone could have got that. Yeah. Well, no one got that. And don't disrespect Namibia. They they put up the, the whole heart in, in that game. So it doesn't matter who who, who it was against. It was a brilliant try. Mm. Go TJ. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, TJ. He had a good World Cup. Good on him, man. He had a break from that third and fourth playoff match. Um, anyway, bro, top five moments for the Rugby World Cup. It's all over now, so I thought we'd top five get a moments. bit of a bit. Mm. Top five? What, what, uh, well, what, the, the one that your... pops into my head if we start from the start would probably be Japan beating Ireland. Huge. Oh god, how, how great was that? I remember, I remember that game because you, we had a big night out. We're in Tokyo, me and Anadu, and uh, one of our other bros from London, uh, Micah, and uh, we had a big night out the night before. So we're in our little Japanese capsules, and um, Anadu's like, "I'm just going to go check out a bar and find a bar to watch this game." It was sort of like me and the bro we were sort of like, "Yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with you later," and probably about. Yeah, <laughs> probably about tw- twenty minutes later, I get, I get a I get a message from Anandu going, "You got to get down here, bro." I'm, he was at one of the uh, it was like an English hub pub or something. Eh? You got to get down here, man. It's going off. The, the place is packed. The game hasn't hadn't kicked off. And I was thinking, oh, I'll just wait till it gets interesting. And I think it was about like maybe only ten minutes into the game. He's like, "You got to get here, bro. Japan are getting up." And I mean, I was just like, "Damn, we're only here for two more days. I got to I got to get up." So jumped in the shower crossed the road it was literally only two minutes across the road and down a little bit and uh went into this bar and it was just jam-packed it was shoulder to shoulder probably half japanese or, i don't know a few irishmen a few kiwis and um it was on and you know there was a massive you know who, no one thought that japan would get out they honestly didn't you know, and, and they ended up beating Ireland and, and, and that place just went off, didn't it, for the rest of the night? Yeah, you, you know how you sometimes, with, with these big test matches, you get a feeling after the first 10 minutes from what way it's going to go. Well, this was one of those matches. I was watching it in the pub with all these Japanese fans next to me. You could feel the tension in the room, but you could also feel that Japan were up for a, a special, uh, special performance. And, and they did, man. They absolutely turned but you up. You just thought, they like, were t- I yeah. thought that Ireland might, you, you're thinking in the back of your mind, Ireland are going to just come back. Gonna, but you just didn't get that mm. feeling, eh? No, no. And they were, you've got to remember, at the beginning of the tournament, they would have been targeting that Japan-Scotland match, the final pool match, for them to progress through to the quarterfinals. So when they beat Ireland and actually got to the final few minutes and thought, heck, we're going to win this. Yeah. That changed the whole makeup of that pool. That ended up being the pool of death. It was. Who would have thought? Not me. And the demise of Ireland. So going. Old uh, Joe, Joe Schmidt. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, Rory Best and all that. So, um, yeah. but hey, um, yeah, two greats in their last game. Well, that wasn't their last game, but um, the one against the All Blacks was. But you know, moving into number two, again. Number two, well, you've got to, Yeah, we talk about Japan. You've got to. You've got to talk about that Japan Scotland match. Yeah, has been number two. Japan we, versus Scotland. We it was still a, mate, a huge match. We mentioned it that Scotland were um, a little bit disappointing against. Um, against Ireland in the first game in Yokohama Stadium we went to that the day after the All Blacks and um, we thought they looked like a schoolboy side but in that game against Japan uh, they actually played we talked they played very Scotland played actually awesome but Japan just went up another level from their Ireland game yeah they did just smoked them they did yeah and uh, and like I said just before Japan were targeting this match they were preparing for years for yeah. the last four years 
to win this match. So their hearts, souls and minds were focused on this. And they stepped up big time and the country were right behind them. And they got over the line and they progressed to the final. Now let's remember, the week leading up to this match, there was talk about uh, this, this game potentially being cancelled because of the typhoon. Uh, and what a bloody, uh, what a mess that was leading up. Scotland lost that match days before they actually stood on the park uh, because they threatened to sue world rugby and all sorts of carry on. But anyway, Japan, that was moment number two. Moment number three, what about what about for you, Bo? Moment number three? Uh, we're talking big moments here, aren't we? Top five, so it's, for yeah. me, it's, I don't want it to be, but it's England beating the All Blacks, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, well, it, it is. You know, we, Comprehensive. Comprehensive, yeah, yeah, it was. It was one of the. It was, you know, we talk about those games. Um, I, I don't like to say a team had a bad game. It's the other team made them. Put, the other team put the other team under pressure. So England put us under that much pressure. It didn't allow us to play our free flowing, quick ball, get it out and get forward ball, get momentum and continuity going forward. So uh, you can't say All Blacks had a bad game. You can just say England outplayed us. Yeah, I mean we can we can we can talk all day about this, but it was a different feeling after the All Blacks lost this match compared to other World Cups where we've lost in the semi-finals or even in the bloody quarter-final in 2007, which we will not ever talk about again. Yeah. But in those big matches where we've lost, there has always been a sense that oh we, we could have done this, oh we could have done we could have done that. Why didn't they go for the drop goal? But this match was a completely different story. We finished the match, and days later, I was still saying to myself, there was nothing else that we could do. No. England were just the better side. So full credit to England, they deserve to go into the final. It was a wake-up call for the All Blacks, but we'll be, yeah, we'll be better for this. Oh, like, this if, if any that, team that in World Rugby learns from their mistakes, uh, the All Blacks mm. learn from their mistakes. They have a well oil machine, um, and and they'll learn from it, and um, they'll come back stronger, no doubt there. So number four, yeah. Yeah, top yeah. top moment. What do you reckon? South, well, yeah, I mean, well, you've got it's got to be the final. South Africa beating England, um, and again. South Africa, we're, uh, sorry, England, we're playing like the All Blacks when England played them a week before. Isn't it, isn't it weird? Yeah, like, you know, like we got so completely weird. dominated and there wasn't one inkling in my mind that England would come out like that. And and they were rattled. They, they couldn't get their fourth yeah. ball. They, you know, like um, yeah. the underhauls and the curries and, and the Atojis, just, they couldn't really, they couldn't, well, they did, but not very often. They couldn't mm. turn over ball. Mm. They, they just couldn't get into the groove of things. And, um, and they talk about that um, momentum, don't they? And, that, and how much does that play in the yeah. game, the momentum? You think, oh, yeah, momentum is just going forward. But, god damn, going forward is a good thing. Yeah, I'm always interested in the sports psychology side of, of these big matches, right? Mm. So we talked about this before. Uh, South Africa, by the sounds of it, had more to play for than England did. Yeah. Uh, now, you could debate that for all you like. Uh, England, hadn't, uh, England hadn't won a World Cup since 2003. They're still the the only Northern Hemisphere side to win a World Cup in history. Uh, you thought that might have been enough motivation in itself to get over the line, but South Africa, like I say, had a whole bunch of extra uh, motivations there outside of rugby, um, which eventually got them over the line and they were up for it. They were the better team on the day. And again, uh, well, there's no argument there. England, I don't think, however good they were, even if they played like they did against the All Blacks, probably still would have struggled to beat the Springboks. Yeah, for sure. They might have got a couple of hard um, decisions, but they didn't really look like they were in the game, did they? Uh, well, not up until no. probably the... Yeah, it was a bit like the All Black game. We thought up until about the 65th minute that we could turn a... I don't know, when we were watching it, we thought, yeah. oh, the All Blacks yeah. can come back, we, we can win by one. Um, but as the yeah. as the minutes went on and the time went on, um, our hopes, you know, our hopes um, 
mm. you know, we were getting harder and harder. Um, same with the England team. You mm. think, oh, you know, six, but once Mpimpi got that try and they got up, um, you could just see the tide was turning. But um, yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. So number five top moments of the Rugby World Cup's got to go to Japan. Great host. Yeah. Arigato gozaimasu. Arigato gozaimasu. Great host. <laughs> Great host. And we were there and we, we actually need to dedicate a whole episode to talk about our time over in Japan because oh, yeah, we'll it was do a, amazing. Yeah, we'll do a podcast coming up about our experiences um, over in Japan and travelling through Japan mm. to different cities and that because that's going to take a whole episode and some of the fun and quirky, yeah. quirky moments uh, in Japan and we had some really fun times in the subway stations at 11, 11pm after a couple of brews and if, you, if you're trying to find a platform in downtown Tokyo and there's, it seems like there's about 85 platforms on different levels and about 100 subway trains, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> there's, but there's probably a couple of just little things that we can talk about now uh, in, in regards to Japan being an amazing host. Yeah. And that is, uh, well, the, the volunteers who uh, invested a lot of time and energy into helping out at the games, mm. at the stadiums, uh, lining up in a sort of gut honour uh, to all the spectators after every match and clapping them out of the gate. You would not see that anywhere else in the world except for Japan. But one stands out to me. One one, one game, th- there was a lot, but one that stands out, we, we went down to uh, Nagoya, and we were watching uh, oh, yeah. Wales take on um, Georgia. And we finished mm. the game. It was probably like 30,000, 40,000 people at the stadium. Sold out. And we walk outside and there was just rows and rows of Japanese volunteers um, waving bye-bye okay. to us, sayonara, um, you know, mm. doing guards of honour. Not just out the gate, but out the gate, down the footpath, across the bridge. Yeah. You know, there, there was hundreds of them. Just, you know, they were just... Yeah, it's, it's hard to put into words, eh? Um, you know, in New Zealand, you just walk out the game and there's a few security guards and pull, yeah. your, pull, your, pull your beer out, mate. You can't you can't take that with you. But over there, yeah. it was just all the way through for like a good 100 metres, just people waving goodbye, just thankful that you've come. Uh, and those volunteers yeah. are probably like our volunteers when we do stuff. They're not paid for it. They've come out, um, you know, we've seen them in their subway stations, didn't they? Like we were getting lost moving around um, yeah. central subway stations. And we're like, what do we do? And they had volunteers um, in major um, hotspots around the stations Mm. and and around the towns. um, And you just had to walk straight up to them and say, hey, listen, I'm going to the game. And they'll give you information or point you in the right direction. So we're talking, you know, Tokyo's got like 10 million people in the city centre. So to have those volunteers sort of like um, all all plotted around um, helped us immensely Mm. when we were trying to get from game Mm. to game, weren't they? Yeah, and the fans got right behind it as well. So the volunteers absolutely have done a great job. The fans got right behind not only Japan, but also some of the other big teams who are playing at the tournament, right down to the point of learning the national anthem and printing out the words at the stadiums to sing them. Amazing. And that's Japan for you, isn't it? I don't know. Are you there? Looks like we might have lost you, bro. It's either a bad reception or you haven't put enough credit on your phone again. I told you to top your phone up with more credit, but I hope you come back to the bar and finish off that happy hour anyway. So enjoy your holiday in Fiji, and we're going to have to wrap up the show without you, and we'll see you back in New Zealand in a couple of days, eh? All Blacks versus Wales for the bronze medal match. All Blacks taking it out, winning 40-17. to 17. And it was an emphatic win by the All Blacks, you know, despite Wales. They did have a long injury list going into this game, but they gave it everything they had. Patrick and Amos touching down for Wales, a try apiece. And that's probably not the ending old Gats wanted. But um, congrats to Gats. He's had one stellar career. 
uh, you know, Grand Slams, Six Nation Champions, um, success on the Lions Tour. And we'll see um, We'll see Gats again. We're not going to see the end of him. He's back with the Waikato Chiefs next year for Super Rugby. So look forward to seeing you back here in New Zealand, Gats. Go well, brother. Uh, eight tries apiece in this game. Smith and Crotty both touching down for a double. And uh, what about Bender going over in the corner with that massive fend? So if you haven't seen it, check out some highlights on YouTube or the All Black page or even my page, uh, facebook.com at All Black Superfan and check out that fend from Bender. Pretty massive fend. Um, other tries went to Joe Moody, our man Baldy Barrett, and Richie Moanga. Um, but all in all, it was a convincing win for the All Blacks, taking out the bronze medal match. But just to finish off, guys, we just want to uh, send a special message out to our uh, departing um, players, coaches, uh, management. So farewell to our legends, coach Steve Hansen, the silent hero Ford's coach, Mike Cron, All Black 1083, Captain. Kieran Reed, All Black 1100 Ben Smith, All Black 1108 Sonny Bill Williams, All Black 1123 Matt Todd, All Black 1124 Ryan Crotty. You may be gone, brothers, but you'll never be forgotten and you'll always be remembered. And we'll never forget all the hard work that you've done in the black jersey. You know, you've represented that jersey with everything that you've had. And I'm sure the next players that will be wearing it uh, will be wearing it with the same manner that, that you've worn it since you've had it. And so go well, All Blacks Fano, and we'll cherish all those memories forever. Stay tuned, folks, for episode number seven, where Arun and I chat about our trip to Japan. And we've got a few cool stories to share with you guys, so hopefully you um, tune in, listen to it. Pretty funny stories and what we got up to while we are over there for two to three weeks. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we're joined by a special guest. I'm not sure... Uh, if that person will be on just yet but we're trying to get hold of him so hopefully we've got a special guest for you guys as well so that's a wrap folks thanks for tuning in and we really really appreciate your support for listening to our pick up the pace podcast your 2019 rugby world cup champions south africa Game and go on and lift the